And now, as if by magic, my next guest conjures himself out of cyberspace, and I'm pleased to welcome Damon Conlon to the show, who is, by definition, a jocular prestidigitator. Now, firstly, Damon, welcome. Thank you for having me. It's good to have you on. And now you can explain Presti Watsy thingy me joggle. Presti Watsy thingy, yeah. So um, I am a jocular Presti Watsy thingy. I mean, they are just long words, really, and they just make me sound clever. That's primarily why I chose them. But um, Presti Digitator, of course, um, Presti is a quick and digitator, you know, sleight of hand, um, and the jocular part, jocular, that means. So uh, combine those two, and I'm a funny magician. Well, that's the conceit, anyway. So we're talking here, I guess, in the realms of tricks and illusions. Is that fair? That would be that would be fair. Excellent. So, and there's an element of intrigue and magic about this, I think. There is. Um, I've got a nice, fancy, uh, vintage-style poster for the show. Uh, looks quite cool. Some swirly swirliness. Some greens and yellows. And your show that's coming up is part of Birmingham Comedy Festival 2021, and you're playing at the Crescent Theatre on Saturday, the 9th of October at eight o'clock in the evening. I think we're looking forward to that. So give us a sense of what that show is, because I think also we should probably stress for a family audience, this is a show that's probably for a slightly older um, crowd, so sort of 16 and upwards. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, um, when I listed it, I said, uh, you know, I probably won't swear, but I might. And then they went 16. But I mean, there's no sort of gratuitousness uh, within it. There may be sort of, uh, maybe some concepts, maybe that you, you kids won't really understand i suppose but no it's a it's a show of you can expect uh, chocolate you can expect showbiz raccoons you can expect mind reading and you can expect if nothing else the unexpected plus the chocolate raccoons and card tricks and mind reading so i was going to ask you about the raccoons because they feature in uh, some of the promotional material for the show they're not just normal raccoons are they i think they're kind of mutant raccoons in, in a way that a, a, a teenage turtle might be mutated um, they're mutant in, 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 in a way that is derivative of the fact that um, when I purchased the prop, it has no arms and legs. Um, <laughs> its name is Rocky. He's like a, a spring puppet animal. And he features in the show. He performs a grand illusion. Um, he comes out, you know, he has a bit of food. Um, and he's really the uh, the finale of the piece. He doesn't eat any any chocolate. That's That's 100% me. Uh, with Kinder Eggs. So if people like Kinder Eggs, you know, there's, there's enough chance you may get some. So that's maybe a pull for anyone who uh, likes chocolate. I bet you that's not what he says about who eats the chocolate. But anyway, we'll, we'll move on from that. So let's um, let's start talking about your, yourself and how you got into the realm of magic. Was Did a warlock meet you on a hill? Was it like that? Or did you sort of pick up um, the idea from a young, <laughs> young age? Um, that sounds traumatising. Um, no, I think... Oh, this is a lot of um, there's a lot of explanations for why I got into magic. I think it's a bit like the Joker in the in the Dark uh, Dark Knight trilogy. There's a different story each time for his origin. I'm never sure which one is is true. Of course, we also live in a deterministic universe, so um, I didn't have any choice uh, to be a magician, I suppose, either. But one of the things, perhaps, was I was I think I was obsessed with um, I think it was Disney's uh, Sword in the Stone. I loved Merlin in that. I used to watch that quite a lot. And then so I've always loved some of the wizards and magic and stuff. And then at some point, you know, I got my first sort of magic trick uh, thing. I think I had a magic set when I was a kid, but it wasn't very good. So that didn't kind of pull me. And then later on, I got some 
uh, cooler tricks, I suppose. Got some books on card tricks and whatnot. And I just sort of taught myself uh, through, through the books and, and whatnot, and then joined a magic circle. And it went from there, really. I remember those magic sets from a, uh, as a kid where, you know, you would you get a fantastic box, wouldn't you, that was usually endorsed by, you know, a celebrity magician or someone like that. Paul Daniels, um, yeah. Yeah, pro- probably Paul Daniels um, or Martin or someone like that. And you get you get lots of uh, little sponge balls would be in there, wouldn't they? And you'd be fascinated with the sponge balls. And then you'd realise that, it, like, a, a couple of months later, once you'd, you know, sort of thrown all the bits all over the place, you'd realise all the sponge balls were missing. And for me, that was perhaps an element of the magic set. You know, there was this sort of enigma around the, the sponge balls. I don't know. Uh, did you have that experience? I, I, I concur with that. I think one of the other magical objects that most people don't think about are rubber bands because they often will vanish. Paper clips also. You always run out of paper clips. Um, you lose those. So there's a lot of objects that have mystical properties in ordinary life that we don't think about. But I think sponge balls is certainly one of them. It is a shame because you need that extra one for the cups and balls, don't you? So it is annoying when it goes. The other element of your show that I wanted to sort of dig into, you're trying to explore, I suppose, the kind of unexplained in, in, in a sense, but not in terms of finding werewolves and uh, you know Loch Ness monsters and those kind of things. But you're trying to perhaps get to that point where you know the sort of pivot of what people believe and what they want to believe that's a great and astute observation and perhaps the deepest question i've ever been asked about um being funny and doing magic on stage so i really appreciate that as a question and it is a shame i haven't got a great answer for that but i think you i think you're right i think um innately i like i was always interested in how you know people can be fooled um, so I'm really interested in um, the Victorian you know, spirit mediums and psychics and, and powers like that. I remember just James Randi, uh, who was a magician who used to offer like a million dollar prize for anyone who could demonstrate psychic powers. And he'd sort of demonstrate how psychic phenomena could be achieved with magic. So I'm really interested in that. I'm also always, I suppose as a magician and being able to perform magic and fool people, you sort of submerged in the idea that, you know, you can be fooled so easily if you don't have the tool set. So if you're if you're not a magician and you don't know what to look for, then you can be fooled. And we can be fooled in all walks of life, in all instances. So I think I like in the subtext of whatever I do is probably always you too can be fooled, as maybe James Randy would say, and to just be a little bit careful uh, when you leave the theatre. But then on top of that, I'm messing around with with mind reading and the card tricks and making people laugh. Um, I guess there is an element of danger to it, isn't there, really, in the sense of what you know, what you can convince people of or what you can get them to believe or not believe. I was just thinking, as you were talking of uh, a long time ago when I used to watch The X-Files, you know, famously there's a poster on the wall that says, I want to believe, you know, in a picture of a UFO. Mm. You know, and, there, and there is that. I, I guess some, some people have that sort of yearning, don't they, to take on board or not not almost anything but they want to believe in the, the magic and the spirit of it and i guess that's part of what gives it its power really i think so because magic it's often said which true uh, magic exists um just in your mind really that's the experience of it because if the magician is doing something on his own there's no audience unless there's a mirror and it's of an optical thing and you're fooling yourself there's no magic as it were it's 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 a narrative that um the audience experiences it's kind of like the your, your movie that you'd go and see, and the magician's really a director. He's making cuts and edits, and so you don't see certain things. Uh, he emphasises other things, and that's really what a magic trick is, just a story. 
that um, the magician tells the audience. And I was thinking um, how the comedy element came in. So uh, I was thinking, you know, at a young age, you're sort of perfecting your tricks and perhaps performing mm -hmm. for your family and, and then gradually sort of parties or bigger audiences. Did the comedy sort of come in as something that helped you get from one trick to another or to help make people part of the, the, the performance? Well, I think magic's inherently kind of ironic anyway. You are someone pretending to be a magician. <laughs> uh, back in the day, you know, they would, you would either think you were a magician or you would, people would believe more so in, in magic. Of course they do still often in certain parts of the world. And, and I think we've got an innate tendency to sort of want to believe in, in something, a religiosity sort of that's maybe an evolutionary thing. But in terms of funny, uh, I suppose I was always interested in comedy. And when I was growing up, I'd watch comedians on TV and I found it difficult to present magic straight, to present magic um, seriously, um, because it's this kind of absurd thing. I'm just pretending to do, it's not real, I'm just pretending and we're kind of having fun. So I'd always sort of not take myself too seriously. When I was in uh, magic circles, they'd have competitions and whatnot, and you'd you'd be encouraged to enter there, enter them, and uh, come up with like routines and things and practice, and you'd get like your ten minutes. I'd always make it funny, and then when I performed as well, I'd always sort of joke around and get people involved. And situational comedy when you involve people is so much fun. You get so much humour from it. Um, so I gravitate towards that kind of thing. Then that's ended up with me being sort of, I suppose, a comedy magician, for want of a better term. Now, one of the things listed, uh, excitingly, uh, for your show that's coming up as part of the comedy festival is telepathy. Okay, the power of telepathy. Kind of, I suppose, mind reading, you know, sort mm -hmm. of second-guessing what, what people are thinking. Now, we're going to try an experiment now, okay, on, on the radio, because um, it will work, obviously, very well. So, Damon, can you guess, can you tell me what question I'm going to ask you next? Is it the fifth cheese? Something tells the me it's fifth the fifth cheese. Cheese podcast. That's exactly right. That's you see, that's the power that you have. Even through FM and DAB modulation, technical yeah. people will understand the Bluetooth that. Bluetooth was affecting me as well. Um, Even it came through. I'm amazingly impressed there. So tell us about the fifth cheese podcast. Uh, the fifth cheese podcast is a not real podcast but it is real because you can listen to it and you can watch it on youtube i interview comedians primarily um, and i ask them philosophical questions i ask them to talk about themselves in a funny way we discuss things it's what is the fifth chip have you seen have you seen, have you watched the fifth shows i haven't what i'll be i'll be honest i haven't watched it i've seen it i know about it so, i mean where's uh, the research where is the research i mean well you, can, you, you only get what you pay for i think on this show is probably the answer to that that's true i didn't pay for anything as you were growing up yeah. and you were starting to to do more and more tricks and illusions those kind of things and you mentioned paul daniels as well who i imagine mm -hmm. was probably one of the influences one of the greats perhaps in the background and you mentioned James Randi as well. Um, were there other magicians that you sort of thought, wow, you know, that there's a guy that does um, what I want to be doing? Darren Brown was on TV a lot. He's a great performer. Uh, he's great live as well and funny too. Maybe people don't necessarily think of Darren Brown as funny, but these shows funny, you know, there's comedy in it. It's dark and light. There's light and, light and shade in, in performance and theatre. David Blaine was, was on TV. I always liked um, Penn and Teller. Guys like that, really. I guess people that did magic, but in some sort of in a funny way as well. And then other other people that may, maybe you've not have heard of or the listeners won't have heard of. People like David Williamson and Mac King. 
uh, American uh, comedy magicians. Yeah, people like that, really. So, But on TV, when I was growing up, it was definitely sort of Darren Brown, David Blaine. That sort of piqued my interest uh, quite a bit. I think for me, I'm disappointed you haven't mentioned him, but for me, the greatest TV comic magician has to be Sutton. Jerry, Jerry Sadowitz. It's got to be Sooty. He's difficult to interview, though, Sooty, I think. So, uh, you know, um, you can't Well, if you, you know telepathy, then uh, it's a great conversation. So, uh, Damon, as well as uh, your forthcoming comedy show, which is part of the Comedy Festival, uh, which is coming up on the 9th of October, there are a range of other things, rather intriguing oh. things, that you do as well. So the one that I wanted to pick up on was you do sort of entertainment in terms of different events and uh, mm -hmm. different celebrations and uh, life points, if you like. And But you do kind of corporate magic uh, which I was struck by as a really interesting idea. So, uh, some, to explain a little bit about that. It's very much um, uh, <laughs> within the capitalist framework. I have decided to sell my wares uh, for the promotion and marketing of uh, various companies and outlets. So, in terms of that, uh, often uh, companies may hire me. Well, it may be uh, an event that's simply entertainment uh, for their um, lovely uh, the workers, a lovely establishment, and I would go around much the same way as I would do perhaps at a lovely private function or wedding. Um, it may be a trade show where I'm uh, tasked with uh, promoting uh, their company. So I would incorporate products and themes into tricks and create sort of custom tricks uh, that involve their sort of maybe their logo, their brand. It can be quite creative coming up with things that sort of you could apply to, um, you know, I don't know, Microsoft or, or whatnot. And then, you know, it could be like maybe an advert or, or a video for them that I'd have to create against a sort of brainstorm and, and film. I've been working on Adobe Premiere Pro, learning my skills during lockdown. That's been fun. So it's that kind of thing, really. Okay, just before we finish, it would be wrong not to tell folks out there where they can find out more about the magical array of things that you do. So where, where's best to find you um, in cyberspace? So you can find me uh, at damonconlon.co.uk. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Damon Conlon. You can find me on Facebook at Damon Conlon. Uh, there's, a there's, a, there's a pattern. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at the Damon Conlon. Somehow I already purchased Damon Conlon on Instagram, but could not access it. Uh, they had locked me out. I have zero followers. I cannot delete the account. So I had to add the words the to my name to create an Instagram. So that's interesting. And they do not have customer service, which is annoying. But <laughs> the Damon Con on Instagram, you can Google the fifth cheese, listen to that. That's good. I spend spent a long time editing that. So I think it's funny and interesting. I should also plug that I'm also doing, as well as my show on the 9th of October at 8pm at the Crescent, I'm also doing um, a short lecture on marmosets at 1000 Trades. I'll get you uh, a venue in the jewellery quarter, isn't it, in Birmingham? It is in the jewellery quarter, yeah. That's on the 2nd of October. Um, that's like a um, strange alternative variety comedy experience on the on the 2nd there. That's free entry. I'll pay what you want. Um, and then my show's the, the, the week after that on the 9th. So there's the aperitif, and then you can uh, experience the, uh, the main course. Excellent. Well, as you were talking, I was gazing into my crystal ball that I have here at Radio Towers, and I can see that both of those things and more are going to be a great success. So, uh, Damon, thanks so much for coming on to the show. You're very welcome, and thank you for having me.